Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more. Live on Sky Sports. All right, welcome back to the football show. Adrian with you all the way through to the end of the show this evening. Delighted to have your company this evening and delighted to say we're going to talk a little bit more Brighton, uh, given all the interest in that club at the minute and particularly given the Irish interest. And delighted to say also that Andy Neller, who's uh, from the Athletic, a writer on all things Brighton, uh, joins us on the line now. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Um, the top uh, thing that everybody's interested in, is there any injury news on Evan Ferguson? Um, nothing at the moment, no. He's obviously gone for checks and scans. I mean, I felt so sorry for him, really, yesterday. It was, it was a bad tackle, wasn't it, by Fabinho? How he didn't receive a red card is mm-hmm. just, um, I just, beyond belief, really. Head, head scratcher. We'll, we'll come um, We'll come back to Evan Ferguson in a minute, Andy, because I do want to ask you a little bit about Brighton in itself. It's such an interesting story and the way it's, uh, things have been developing there. Top half finish last season, which I think might have been the first time in the club's history. And then they go on to you know lose uh, Kukurea to Chelsea, Bazuma to Spurs, Ostergaard to Napoli, Mopé, and then more recently, obviously, uh, Trossard as well, and the manager, of course. And somehow, they're in a better position now and into the next round of the FA Cup. What's the secret sauce? Well... A lot of it stems from the uh, owner-chairman, Tony Bloom, and Paul Barber, who's the chief executive, who runs the club day-to-day on Tony's behalf. And they've just always got this very kind of long-term thinking. So so they're they're never waiting for things to happen. They're lining things up for when they happen. And we see this in their transfer dealings. They're not, they're not just looking at the current window. They're, they're looking at situations that might happen in the next window, two windows down the line. And they've, they've got this recruitment, player recruitment model, uh, which is driven by uh, Tony Bloom's own uh, data-driven model. So they're fishing in ponds, if you like, that perhaps other clubs, particularly the bigger clubs, aren't particularly looking at because they they know they can't compete with the finances and the resources of those clubs. So we've just seen this relentless pattern of Brighton picking up um, young players mainly from different markets, perhaps less obvious markets around um, at relatively low cost, developing them recognising from the player's point of view that there is a pathway, there's a pathway to Premier League football at this club. And then one of two things happen. Either they eventually get sold for for a big profit after they've made their way into um, the, the first team. And even if that doesn't happen, there's resale value. So um, it's a model that has worked well for them. And despite these constant changes and this constant turnover, continues to work well for them. The same applies at the staffing level. So you take, for example, Roberto Deserby. Again, they have appeared to have chosen really well. I'm sure it won't be that long. In fact, it's happening to some extent already before Roberto Deserby is being linked elsewhere. You like to think that there will be a couple of years, at least, of deserving ball at Brighton and hopefully in Europe as well. 
but they will be keeping their eye on a a fairly select list of coaches, managers, who might be the next one on the production line. And so it rolls on and on. That's that's kind of the process at right. Moneyball, essentially. Kind of, yeah, mm. yeah. It's really interesting because even when you bring up Deserby, like looking at his track record, it's his seventh club in ten years, and they he seems as if he'd been trying to play attractive, adventurous football at most of those clubs. It often didn't work out uh, amazingly well for him. Maybe particularly in the early part of his career, and obviously more laterally, he left Donetsk when the after the Russian invasion. So a slightly more unusual departure from a club almost. Um, but wouldn't like like you say like would not have been on the radar. I don't think of a lot of clubs really speaks to. Um, the, the vision, I suppose, that's been there. But the threat then, from all those reasons that you've outlined, Andy, is that that uh, the bigger clubs, uh, the, the bigger fish are seeing all this unfold. What is Brighton's position on that? Because it's a fairly regular conversation. It's obviously relative to, to Saicedo uh, at the minute. What's their position generally then on, on uh, the resale aspect? Yeah. Well, I've obviously, they have now reached a situation through their progression where they've got players of the quality that are attractive to the big clubs. You know, we've seen that Ben White sold to Arsenal, uh, the summer 2021 window, um, Basuma and Cucurella last, last summer window, Tottenham and Chelsea. Within their model, um, they have their valuation of players. This is both for buying and selling. They never divulge those figures, very much kept in-house. And basically, two things have to happen uh, in terms of selling. So potential uh, buyers have to reach that figure, but also the circumstances have to be right. Right. Cachado being a very good example. Here we are in the January window, which Brighton are not often that keen on uh, doing business in. So that shorter-term window element of panic difficult to get processes in place to plan for things that might happen. So they're not generally keen on January business. And as I've mentioned with those those big deals, they've all happened in the summer window, which I think is is a bit of a clue. So um, if the if the club doesn't get anywhere near their figure, there's there's just no way it's happening. And in this particular instance, there's no way it's happening anyway because it just isn't right. They're pushing for Europe for the first time in the club's history on two fronts, winning the FA Cup or high league position. There is just no way that they're going to lose one of their key players in that quest. Mm. It's amazing because I think at most clubs, the uh, the chairman or the owner, might, might, it might be a very different conversation. Um, will you talk to us a little bit about uh, more about Evan Ferguson then, Andy? And just we might leave the injury aside, obviously, for a minute. Um, we don't know, as you said at the top, exactly what sort of time we're looking at. We don't want to be speculating about that. But um, he's obviously only had a, he's only turned eighteen. He's only had a handful of games with the club. There is, as you might imagine, an awful lot of excitement about him over here. What are the excitement levels around Brighton for this guy? I can assure you there's a lot of excitement about him here as well. I remember doing a very early piece on him when not long after he joined the club and speaking to, to coaches and, and people uh, back in Ireland about him. And he was kind of flagged then. But, but you know, you kind of part of you think, yeah, you know, he's great, really good prospect, scored these goals. But about him, I think, 
is the way he's just taken to the Premier League and his his attributes. He's 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 just he's just kind of got everything you would hope for of that all round kind of kind of number nine. Apart from the experience, really, that, that, that that's the only bit. You know, he links the play. He's he's good running in behind. You hold the ball up, lay it off. We've seen he can finish. So he's got a bit of everything about him. And coupled with that, just in my limited experience of speaking to him, but also of people around the club and people who know him a lot, he's a really grounded boy as well. Um, So I think he's got a very, very bright future. LTBAM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. You touch on his skill set there. Watching him yesterday, he had a bit of everything, uh, depending on the moment of the game. He was coming deep at one point. His desire really uh, was one thing that stood out for me, his desire to to want to be on the ball, just not to hide away, even when they were behind for that brief period. But certainly at 1-1, his desire to be on the ball was really evident. Is is there is it obvious what the manager is asking of him, Andy, or is it a little bit of you just go out there and do yourself? No, no, no. I, I think Roberto De Zerbi has has specific sort of uh, instructions for his players, but he encourages the, the young players as well. The incident that comes to mind with me, that, that kind of almost epitomises where we're at with Evan, was actually his full Premier League debut at Everton when he scored mm. and had assist. wasn't even those moments. There was a moment in that game in the first half when... Uh, Kaori Matoma, another of these fantastic signings Brighton have made, was lying injured in the penalty area. I think I might say Brighton were one nil up at that stage. Um, Everton were trying to launch a counter-attack. It's close to half-time. He fouled... Uh, the name escapes me, the Everton midfielder. Um, on halfway. And it was kind of so. First of all, there was an appreciation there of game management. He stopped. He stopped the play. Uh, took a booking. He got booked. And then Tarkowski. Uh, it was a bit of a melee afterwards. Tarkowski came over. He was up against Tarkowski and Kobe that night. Two really experienced international pedigree central defenders. And he fronted up to Tarkowski. He didn't punch an inch. And that I thought was a real indication of wow, this 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 kid's got something about him for an eighteen year old. Mm. And will play pretty much all the time, Andy. I mean, again, injury notwithstanding, but when fit and available, like with with the the players that have left, the opportunity is there for him now. Yeah, it's basically. Um, I mean, again, Roberto. You know, he'll be careful not to. The usual thing with young players, not to expect too much too soon, maybe take him out the firing line now again. Of course, they've got Danny Welbeck, and what a great role model for Evan. And he's, he's spoken about that, how he looks at tra- in training at, at Danny and after training in, in shooting practice and how everything is meticulous with Danny, you know, to the nth degree. So he's a great mo- role model for Evan to have within the club. 
Danny's had his fair share of injuries, as we know, and he's just coming back from another one. So um, it was the game at Leicester, wasn't it, where Evan came on and scored that fantastic header, equaliser. But he, he was on the bench on that occasion. Danny started. So you're looking now with with Trossard sort of gone from that attacking mix, essentially for that number nine, it's a case of Danny or Evan, or indeed both of them, because they played together for the first time against Liverpool on Sunday, which again was a bit of a departure to two strikers together up front. He so he signed obviously his first people would be aware he signed his first full time proper full time contract when he turned eighteen was it la, was it back in October, um yeah. of last year so uh, no doubt he, his terms and conditions got a bit of a bump at that point can he expect is it the is it the expectation that he'll sit down and revi- revisit those things now as his career advances Andy because I mean no more than the previous conversation we've been having um and look at it's very early uh, early doors yet and you don't want to be preempting too much but I'm sure there are other clubs no more than you've said that are paying attention to the manager I'm sure they're paying attention to some of uh, Takomi you mentioned as well I'm sure several players at Brighton at the minute are on the radar of, of clubs probably for a bit later in the year can he expect to uh, to sit down and revisit those T's and C's now is that the way it works well put it this way Brighton certainly always protect their interests in mm. situations mm-hmm. like that you only have to have, have to look at what's happened with other players the one that springs particularly to mind and again shows how they kind of look ahead I mean they couldn't possibly have guessed that Alexis McAllister would play such a part for an Argentina and Argentina winning the World Cup. But before he went to the World Cup, they, he signed a new long-term contract with Brighton. That's mm-hmm. looking like an <laughs> even shrewder decision now. Yeah, it does. It does seem to be. Uh, it does seem to be a club. I mean, even I was watching the the pre-match uh, stuff. Was it on uh, ITV where they were talking about the the reception that he got when he came back from the World Cup, and even Messi had commented on yeah. how this was an amazing. It just struck me as such a small thing, but obviously a very meaningful thing that can help sort of yeah. keep everybody in the same path. Um, can I speaking? It's a good segue into a question about Aaron Connolly and the uh, big performance for Hull, obviously at the weekend. Standing ovation. He seems to have turned a corner in his life and in his career. Um, the, the quality of the second goal. I mean, I've mentioned Messi. It was Messi-esque, and if he'd have done it, it would have been uh, it'd have been all over uh, social media. I'm certain. Has he burned his bridges at Brighton now? Because he's still on loan, right? Or is there an opportunity for that to be rekindled? I hope things work out as the way they started at home. I think what's significant there is he's got Liam Liam Rossini, mm. who who um, was at Brighton, uh, so the culture at Brighton he knows really well, knows Aaron. Um, I'd like to think that the penny has finally dropped with Aaron <laughs> because, you know, he, the way he burst onto the scene, that, that the goals on his full debut against Spurs, wasn't it? Um, early on under mm. Grant and great things were expected. And let's, let's say I think there's been a few distractions along the way which probably haven't helped. Obviously, the Lone Middlesbrough didn't go particularly well. Then this rather strange, like, venture up to Venetia, and that didn't go well. But he's made a really encouraging start. Well, obviously, those, those, those two goals are doing a world of good. And, um, yeah, who knows what, what, what the future holds for him. He's obviously the man, the coach situation has changed. So, Roberto De Zerbi, wouldn't really have seen that much of him or, or had him within the group. So, um, yeah, this feels a bit like the last chance for Saloon for Aaron. 
But if he continues, you know, the, the way it started up at Hull, who knows? Um, his career could turn around. Yeah, another half a season of games like that. And I'm, I, I do suspect uh, Roberto De Zerbi will be on the phone at some point saying, who is this guy? Was, was he here? Can we get him back? <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Andy, an absolute pleasure. I've no doubt we'll be catching up with you again very soon. Thanks many for jumping on. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. Andy Naylor of The Athletic there, right on All Things Brighton. And our football brought to you at Sky. You can watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend, live on Sky. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Football Team This is News Talk